Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health with Richard Talk to Me Guy and, as we know, Sherry Edwards is working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. The Sound Health Portal is an amazing now online ability to do vocal prints and vocal profiling, not in the TV movie way. Well, kind of, but for health. I would suggest going to SoundHealthPortal.com, going down to the bottom, past all the, oh, do this, get that, do this, sign up. Just scroll to the bottom, click on the video tab, Sherry doing an online live webinar with somebody who has volunteered to have their vocal print, which means they record about a 30 to 45 second recording and either pre-submit it or do it live right on the webinar. And then that gets run through the software that Sherry's designed and breaks it down into the various bits and bytes of information, which is all derived from the relationship between the vagal nerve and the voice. And you can watch Sherry talk about that. And so it breaks all that down. In a moment, you'll run through all of these amazing charts, and there will be a pie chart that will show like, oh, you might want to look at this now because it could be something in your system, perhaps in the methylation cascade, which is this amazing chart. Always makes my eyes twirl a little bit because there's a lot there about all the interactions of how the hormone cascade works and other things. It shows a lot of states of imbalance one way or the other because you can sometimes have too much of something or not enough of something, and it may be in your system, and the reason either could be high or low is because you're not assimilating it correctly. And this chart gives you a lot of information about that. So I really suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, watching a video, and after that, then go back, sign up for a free trial, and pick out one of the campaigns, such as neuroplasticity or PTSD, and see what kind of information you get. And if you have a practitioner who is interested in that kind of thing, like a naturopathic doctor or an acupuncturist or a chiropractor, sit down with them and have a conversation about, what do you think? Can we do something about this? Can we help this in some way? Soundhealthportal.com. It's an amazing facility now. To hear and share replays of this show, go to talktomeguy.com, all words. Scroll down that page. About 30 minutes after you hear the outro music here, it'll be there. And there are also archives of over 300 hours of shows there as well. The site was designed to be very mobile-friendly so that you can just pull it up on any of your portable devices, scroll down, just past the show notes, is a player. You can play it right from there and or below that are links to many of the podcast players and complete show notes with all the links that we talk about or anything that comes up in our conversation, I'll put in those show notes. Bottom of the show notes in the corner is a little microphone. If you have requests or information or somebody you'd like me to interview or a subject you'd like me to look into, leave me a message. Just tap on your device or if you're at a computer, click on that microphone and it'll pop up and ask you to start recording. Ask me questions or just say hi. With that, Earl Bagley was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2005. As she described it, cancer was bad enough. But then she had the treatment for cancer. She had a mastectomy, chemotherapy, which permanently damaged some of her body, and radiation. And all of that led her to an intense desire to find a better way to address breast cancer. Through her research and the research of the scientists she met in the months that followed, she found a way to address it through prevention. Vitamin D plays an important role in breast cancer prevention. An estimated 75% of breast cancer could be due to vitamin D deficiency and therefore easily prevented with vitamin D alone. Several studies, including those published using grassroots health cohort data, have demonstrated the relationship between vitamin D status and the risk of breast cancer. Carol Bagley joins us to talk about the amazing evolution over 15 years of grassroots health and the action. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I very, very much appreciate the opportunity <laughs> to share this information, believe it or not. And one of the things that uh, Richard asked me earlier is he said you had something published out here X 10 years ago or something. Is it still good? And I had to sort of laugh and say, 
it's not only still good, it's been ancient. This ability with vitamin D to help prevent breast cancer has been around and known by people since the 80s, 1980s. But enough of the <clears throat> mainstream organizations are not paying attention or ignoring it. However, however, we have within what we call our field trial over 18,000, got that? 18,000 participants in our field studies with um, vitamin D. And for that, that's back again to what we call citizen scientists. Sometimes you know and you have to laugh sort of that organizations are the very last to adopt something. Uh, And so individuals are the first. Um, I want to take a quick second or not a quick second right now, but on March, excuse me, on August the 18th, this very week, there was World Breast Cancer Research Day sponsored by Dr. Susan Love, a um, surgeon in the breast cancer field and has been for quite a number of years. And she has been an active advocate for helping people pay attention to this. And I want to thank Susan for providing us an opportunity to have a focus to say it's time. Uh, and it's quite obvious that she doesn't know about us, and I hope to be able to meet with her very shortly. The key part, there's so many key parts. Um, A lot of people don't believe about vitamin D or they just go ho-hum or somebody's selling supplements, which we don't do. But anyway, and it's all because, are you ready for this? It's all because we're out of the sun. We moved our bodies inside with the Industrial Revolution faster than they could adopt evolutionary speaking to being inside. And so Mm -hmm. the main source of vitamin D for people is really absent from us. The second major piece of that is there are almost no foodstuffs with it. The third major piece is that people have been scared um, by sunburn and melanoma and as a matter of fact more people get melanoma inside out of the sun than do outside all you got to do is not burn so there's so many basics here that if people could take a deep breath they could literally save close to 180,000 women got that 180,000 women each and every year from getting breast cancer with a financial savings every year of close to $15 billion. That's amazing. It is. And it's not dangerous. What? Um, I'm going to jump to, I was going to talk about this later, but I've done a bunch of shows mm-hmm. with Stephanie Seneff, who's an MIT researcher and wrote the book Toxic Legacy about glyphosate. And she's an MIT researcher like a gnarly one, not that any of them aren't, Mm -hmm. but I mean, really, and she has been, I've done probably six or seven shows with her. And every time we talk, there's this amazing thing that she talks about regarding vitamin D and health. Go out and get some sun. Mm -hmm. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not rocket science. It's not, I mean, our skin tans. She says, there's nothing, you know, better for our body than having a little bit of a tan. That's your ultimate sunblock. That is, instead of applying goo, which I think is then driven into the tissues, which oftentimes that goo that people use as sunblock is not necessarily the best ingredients. That's my opinion. And photo driving that in heat into the body is not so great. So sunshine is our friend. It, it really is. can have well, amazing benefits. Sunshine benefit. also gives additional <clears throat> things such as nitric oxide. I mean, you're not only, <clears throat> excuse me, getting vitamin D from the sun. It has other attributes for all of us as well. And it's good to be outside <laughs> for all of us inside staring at computers all day long. Come on, a little sunshine is good. Get some light into the eyes. Uh, uh, so yes, <laughs> I just had to throw that in. And no. 
So I want to go back to, did you have any idea 15 years ago when you started this radical idea of prevention, such a radical prevention, <laughs> um, that grassroots health would be, I will call it world-renowned, but that's because I've known about you for a long time. But did you think you would be here now in the sense of, you know, Susan Love doing this and you possibly having conversations with her and some of the other people that you've talked to? I mean, were you a where? I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. What were you doing before you had this <laughs> cancer? What was your what were you What was your practice in the world? What were you doing? Actually, I my background is mathematics and physics, and I have started a number of businesses, <clears throat> ranging from schools to aerospace industry companies, and that is what I did. The aerospace Yikes. group uh, always. Uh, in the mode of what I was involved in was in a short, simple way, how to do things faster, better, and cheaper. And that includes engineering, that includes data transfers between major aerospace companies like a Boeing and all of their suppliers. And that is what I was doing for quite a number of years. And then in, in 2009, I retired, believe it or not. Wow. And then wow. Um, actually before that, it was back in the 19... Anyway, I had retired when breast cancer hit. And so I was already retired. And then I had this. And then I have, as I believe might be on my notes someplace, which is all of a sudden, um, it didn't just hurt. It hurt with such pain that that pain was an attack. Mm-hmm. Please differentiate between something being painful and feeling like you were attacked. I felt attacked. Um, and that is unacceptable to me in terms of my psyche with honesty, loyalty, reverence, and <clears throat> brave and all that. Nobody mm-hmm. gets to attack me. And nothing. So I had to do something. I mean, it, it just wasn't even a choice. I didn't know what to do. So literally for a couple of years, I spent uh, researching what's going on and finally found Dr. Garland right here in San Diego. Wow. And um, from that point, in answer specifically to your question, no, I didn't think we would be here. I thought we would have passed this up by now. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yes, I thought we would have to establish some kind of organization because to do any kind of major change, you do. And I, that's, that's what I do. I start businesses, but I'm not going to start another one after this. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I thank Um, you. (laughs) Yes. This has been, it's been an amazing journey. We were talking backstage a little bit about one of your, um, I I will call him a key researcher, but that's because I've known him for a long time. William Grant, who I've known from an organization called Smart Life Forum for years was talking about vitamin D had this little book that he would always come into the meetings and talk about vitamin D. And I think that people would like, Oh God, here goes Dr. Bill talking about vitamin D again. And it was with a group of people who were, I'm not a licensed physician of any kind, but many of these people were PhDs or people who wrote medical journals or wrote a lot of literature for education in schools about health. And he was one of those people that was, always there talking about vitamin D. So I knew early on about ideas of vitamin D. And then I think I even knew him in the early stages of when you were first working together. So I've been hearing mm-hmm. about the idea of vitamin D and this key word that really I talk about it a lot, prevention. That's <laughs> such a radical idea, the idea that you have come up with enough research and you've been driven in the best of ways to have people really go, look, taking vitamin D is good. Getting in the sun mm-hmm. is good. And, and mm-hmm. maybe part of the trick is, I, I've, after six or 700 hours of shows, you, know, there's no, you don't have a product. I'm not saying you need a product. I'm just saying in terms of a lot of people have like, here's the thing. We've got this magic new thing. Here's the pill. Here's the goo. Here's the cream. Here's the diet. Here's the thing. And yours is, maybe take some vitamin D every day or get some sunshine, which is an amazing idea that it can have so much. Was the, was Dr. Garland 
kind of the father of that idea? Was there a father or a point of like, you know, or was it you in because of your skills and, and research and all that, that you dug that up slowly and he was like, oh, my God, this guy's in my backyard. I should talk to him. Was it that? Actually, um, Dr. Garland has been what I would consider a lead researcher in breast cancer um, forever. Um, He had done it long before I got involved. His first publication uh, was actually in 1980. Oh, wow. He is, yeah. And everybody else certainly that has worked with cancer um, has done a great job at it and or whatever. Um, But he was out there in the field doing it. And Dr. Garland's work is epidemiological. I mean, he does great big studies of large, large groups of people. And he was one of the ones, he was the one that developed what is called a smiley curve, just literally kind of a U-shaped curve. And what he showed very clearly in many different regions of the world is like with 100 plus thousand people, um, the rate of cancer, for example, in along the equator is less than 10%, and it goes up when you go towards the South Pole and when you go towards the North Pole with um, the places like the United States on one side and Australia on the other being quite high because they are away from the sun. And mm-hmm. back again to thinking about uh, why could this be? He's done this not just with breast cancer, but also with type 1 diabetes. Hmm. And that is even more stunning to me because there has been other research with type 1 diabetes, of course, and there has been with breast cancer. But the conclusion really is that type 1 diabetes, pure and simple, would close to be zero. You wouldn't even have to have it if as a pregnant woman you had enough vitamin D and the child had 4,000 IU international units a day from birth. It didn't hurt the child and as a matter of fact, by the time they were 30, there were no cases of type 1 diabetes. That is one of the things. It's like if I were a mother or somebody that had type 1 diabetes in my family, I'd be screaming. I would have been Mm -hmm. screaming a long time ago. Yeah. But there are many, many things like that. Um, I do want to make another comment, though, about the other scientists. We worked with lots, uh, 48 on our uh, initial list. Dr. Robert Haney uh, was our research director from 2012 to 16, and he is, to me, the biggest genius I've seen with nutrient research. And unfortunately, he passed away at that time, uh, but he literally trained us, our staff and everything on how to put together what we call a field trial, how to do it with vitamin D. Um, But we have had on our panel of people what I call in a very, whatever way, the granddaddies of vitamin D in the world. Mm -hmm. These are people, unfortunately, literally are now passing away because of their age and or other things. And we've met and or worked with almost all of them all around the world. And we're very honored about that. Um, anyway, I'll ramble. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. And, and so how did, and then how did, how did the action get started? Was that, was that an aha of the panel of doctors and yourself? Or did you just think, and and I need you to explain what the action is. I know what it is, but how did that how did that evolve? How did the that moment of what I would call a light bulb go? Wait, we can be collecting data, and you have, like you um, say, you have eighteen thousand people it, who've contributed to your pool of information. That's a lot. It is, of course, it's a lot. And wow. uh, over years and multiple times a year, and they're now measuring their as well. The action, it was clear to me, again, I'm a systems analyst kind of person, which is like, and you want to change behavior. How are you going to change behavior? 
whether it's an engineering function, literally, or a health function, you have to start with the information and make sure it's in some kind of form that the recipient can understand it and do something with it. And it has to be pertinent to them, all right? And so we put together a program which says, first thing that people need to know is what the problem is. Okay, their vitamin D is low, and how are we gonna deal with the vitamin D? Um, and it literally was um, kind of at the 2007 time frame, literally, uh, when I attended a National Cancer Institute meeting up in Bethesda, that the ability of the technology to adequately and accurately measure vitamin D was coming about and the home test kits to be able to do at home came about very, it was very tied to that. So it wasn't so much an aha moment about the vitamin D and D action, it was um, having all the technology in place and then how to do it and then how to pay for it. And the pay for it is a substantial thing because back again to the citizen scientists, um, at this point in time, it really is highly funded by individuals paying for their tests and repeated tests and participating in groups like that. How great is that, that you're getting data from, you're being supported by people who are giving you information and they want to be part of that information. I think that's a, a wonderful self-winding device in the best of ways. Well, it, and I'm excited, go ahead. Excuse me, it's also trustworthy. The other thing about the whole medical thing is what do people choose to work with? And if they don't see that your organization or whatever it is is something they can trust, like we don't give them wrong information and they can tell, uh, and or we don't lie to them and we don't tell them stories, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would think that that actually took years for us to, or a few years, not forever, but to publish things and to demonstrate what kind of organization are we. Uh -huh. um, and so um, we are trustworthy and we're also um, correct. I mean, we, we publish things as they are um, and share them with people. And I'm very proud of that. It's very exciting to see. I've been on your emails for a really long time. And I think I first interviewed you in 2013. Is that possible? Wow. Um, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And you're always putting out information that is, and I mean this in the best of ways, it's just information. You're not, you're, you are saying get tested because that's, you're, mm -hmm. you're very testing oriented. You want people to know their levels. And now you've added some other tests, which I think is very exciting for magnesium and some other substances, which we'll talk about. But you're, you're a research center that's helping support itself by people having research that's giving them information so they can go out and figure out what they want to do. And that's like, wow, excellent. Self-winding. I, I think that was self-winding. And it's very exciting to see. Well, it's important. And it's important to demonstrate to people why it's important to test. A lot of people are of the opinion in medical professions as well, which is you don't need to test. Right. And because there is such a variation in response uh, to any intake at all, and that our very first publication in 2012 was a dose-response curve, and it showed very clearly that for many, many, many people taking um, anything, 2,000 IU a day, somebody might be at 20 nanograms per milliliter as a result, somebody else might be at 120. There's so much else going on in our bodies that the dose itself has to be conditioned to you. And if you don't know what your test is and you don't test close to when you start, and if you don't test again three or four months later uh, in a standard kind of thing, you don't know how well you're doing. <laughs> I'm laughing with you, not at you. Just of the idea yeah, of that's okay. That's okay. it's not complicated. Test, take vitamin yeah. D for a while, 
test, see how your levels are. It's pretty straightforward. It's and it's it I love that about it. I love that about it. There is, you know, do this, take the test, have a reference point. What? A reference point. And do it for a year and test again. Mm-hmm. And is that good? Is that vitamin not good? Vitamin D, we recommend a little shorter than a year. I mean, if you're yeah. starting out very first, later you could probably do it once a year. Um, right. The best times to do it if you're past your kind of status point is kind of in March when you ought to be probably the lowest, which is you've gone all winter without it, and then probably mm-hmm. again um, September-ish before winter comes so that you can see your highest. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then see what happens. The other joyous things that we have been doing, uh, Richard, have been the the integration of other components of vitamin D and their interaction, not just the vitamin D, but their interaction. We Mm -hmm. actually have a group of people that um, are, they use a home panning device or a home lamp which has UV mm, light, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So we they know what the, at least the manufacturer does, what the celebration of how much a person gets out of that and this group of people um, also records that. So we have people in a study that do either all or some of their light that way in, in mm. addition to vitamin D uh, intake. Uh, we also are in the process and have been, when we introduced the omega-3s, it was monumental. There were big impacts with that, especially in pregnancy, but we're now finding out also with heart health. I mean, and, and we can track those components. Um, and with magnesium, there were people saying it doesn't matter whether you take it or not. Well, we track the magnesium level along with the vitamin D level, and it matters greatly whether or not you're taking magnesium um, if your vitamin D level is really low. I mean, it enhances the absorption of vitamin D in your body greatly. So mm-hmm. our ability to do that real time, all right, we don't have to do a clinical trial, which is also very narrow and would be extremely expensive to get multiple nutrients in it. Um, So we are very excited about our future with real people, with real life, and with (laughs) non-threatening kind of things. So we're excited about that. Well, and you started a new campaign, or or you have for, I'm not sure how long this has been going on, but you're doing a a launch, I believe, of the Immune immune Boost Project. Mm -hmm. Please talk about that. That's an amazing idea. Like, what? Benefit to the immune system? Yeah, please. Well, actually, the um, so-called Immune Boost Project is came into being in part because so many things were going on um, that vitamin D affects and why we have truly what's called an immune system, which is, you can just think that we're healthy or not healthy. And by having, by being more healthy with a good immune system, there are so many things that are affected and we've had to start measuring those, um, and that, that affects um, things like this COVID thing. If your immune system isn't built up, then you literally can have at least double the risk of a COVID infection, and you can die of it. There actually is a um, um, back again to having an immune system built to fend off any kind of flu or thing like that. We, there was a study done that showed very clearly that if the people's serum levels were at close to 60 nanograms per milliliter, which is higher than most people are used to, all right, to the best of my knowledge, in the hospital, nobody died. That didn't mm-hmm. mean they didn't get sick. They mm-hmm. didn't die. Yeah. And that's a virtue of having that high immune system. So um, 
We and demonstrated it, lower cases of flu. I mean, you name it. Um, yeah. Yes, go ahead. I was going to ask, and so is the vitamin D, so the vitamin D is supporting the immune system. Is it also supporting or benefiting the tissues? Or is that more of a vitamin A thing in terms of tissue strength? I've always been a fan of vitamin A for tissue strength, but I believe that vitamin mm-hmm. D is in there as well. Right. Vitamin D affects everything. Mm-hmm. It's probably easiest to think about it that way. Um, yeah. And it helps the various cells in the body decide what to do. And if vitamin D is not there, whatever it is they do can't be done as strongly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. It's just a necessary and, component of our bodies. Right. And before, so when we were crawling around or running away, you know, our, our main focus in life used to be running away from dinosaurs way back when. <laughs> and so I suspect mm-hmm. because we were running around and if we were lucky, a loincloth, if we managed to catch something, kill it and make a pair of shorts, that we were outside in the sun a lot. So yes, we probably yes, had yes, yes. naturally strong immune systems because we were out in the sun we exercise a lot. Like I'll, I'll jump now to the longevity study, the book, the longevity study. Sure. And one sure. of the groups that they found was, that, was, that lived the longest were the men of Sardinia. Well, they walked sheep over hilltop <laughs> and mountains all day long in right. the sun. Right. So right. they were getting right. physically active. They were doing good breathing right. and they were getting sunshine right. and they probably ate right. a mostly organic diet because that's what was available. They grew their own food. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so much like the cave dwellers, we get a lot of mm-hmm. vitamin D. And now we're all inside staring at monitors all day. Mm-hmm. Not all of us, but mm-hmm. it's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so vitamin D mm-hmm. has been my friend for a long time. How do I? How do we dial in? And let's go back to D action and the testing. Yes. Uh, this is a two-part question. Can we do a loading dose? And or how do we? How do we get a – so we go to your site. We go to grassrootshealth.net. We mm-hmm. do test, and then we have a reference point. And then once we have the reference point, how do we calculate what we need to be taking to get our levels up to a good level? That's ultimately my question. Our most popular thing accessed on our site is our calculator. Guess why? It answers that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, can, you can put in, even ahead of time, before you test, you can put in, have you ever tested and what you think your level is and what your weight is. Uh, weight is a big, it's the biggest single determinant of um, your level. Other things happen, of course, but to do a quick kind of thing. But our calculator helps with that. And, yes, you can do a loading dose. Um, and given the time, times that we live in, given where you are, blah, 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 um, some of those decisions about loading doses are cautionary. I mean, yes, and you can take a lot more than you need um, mm-hmm. regularly, but it's important to pay attention to what you're taking and to test again. Um but that's it's there. I mean, and we yeah. have that calculator, and it's really yeah. important. Of course, of course you do. Why? Why would I think you wouldn't? Of course you have a calculator. <laughs> um, that's very exciting because that's a lot of times we talked backstage again that I used to have an herb store and have a I'm a master herbalist, and that was always the trick with people was figuring out how much, how often, kind of things. So the idea of having a calculator where you can I'm guessing probably put in your age and your weight and other possible questions that you can go, Oh, here's what you might want to be taking. But also I'm a person who would mind taking a loading dose of like taking, I'll say 10,000 IUs or something. Sure. I've known people. That would be considered a loading dose. Okay. Okay. (laughs) A loading dose is more like a hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah. I I know somebody who used to, it might've been William Davis that introduced, I mean, uh, William Grant who introduced me to the, um, a capsule, I can see the bottle, I think it's by BioResearch, that's 50,000 units. And I think mm-hmm. that that was what, what he might have suggested a long time ago is like a loading dose, like, well, take a couple of these a week for a month. 
you know, something to really mm-hmm. get the system because we were in, you know, fluorescent lit rooms, which is its own ridiculousness. But just that idea of, you know, too much time indoors. We were all nerds. We we're inside yes, reading and yes, researching. Yes, yes, yes. So outside is good. The thing right. that there's one thing that is not highlighted enough that is really, really, really important. The initial mechanism for taking vitamin D um, as a, um, a supplement or something was to take it once a week in probably a dose of 50,000 IU. And mm-hmm. 50,000 IU divided by seven is like 7,000 a day. Okay, that's kind of the average, obviously. Okay. And once a week. And that does bring up the serum level, which is what you measure. But, mm-hmm. and here's the big, big, big thing. There's another component of vitamin D. When you take it in the pill, it's actually D3, which is a precursor to the serum level. And that D3 has a pretty short half-life. It has um, enough shortness, like hours, that you need to take vitamin D daily. And I'll say that a hundred more times, daily, 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 because uh-huh. specifically with cancer and specifically with breast cancer, the way it grows is inside the memory gland and the area in there that helps keep that, let's say, a cancer cell grew. It really doesn't matter as much as you might think unless it gets out of the breast. Uh-huh. The thing that protects the breast is the D3, which makes a thicker and or a stronger um, cellular cover so that it doesn't get out of the memory gland. And if it didn't uh-huh. have D3, they wouldn't get it, all right? So while taking it weekly will still help, I don't want to minimize that, but please take it daily. So if I want to bump it up hard, I could take 50,000. But really, I want to do that for maybe a couple of weeks at the most, and then really just take two to five, depending upon what my calculator, your calculator says, I want to take about 2,000 to 5,000 a day just as a thing, as a lifestyle. Almost nobody takes less than 5,000 a day a day, by you a day, Richard, to get to that level between 40 and 60. Almost nobody, nobody takes 2,000 IU a day to get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. The contribution of the Institute of Medicine and their levels was bad for everybody. The only thing good about what came out of that was it got attention to vitamin D. Period. The rest of the stuff that came out of there is the calculations initially were wrong and the integration of Dr. Keith Baggerly, a biostatistician who had worked for MD Anderson, actually demonstrated that to them and published it to them um, and they did not make any correction. But anyway, their calculations were wrong, the levels were wrong, the idea that um, in one sense 4,000 IU a day is the safe dose. Well, yes, it is, but so is 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, more. I mean, they, they've really, really added tremendous um, problems, as it were, to people getting enough, and which is why if you go back to testing before and after. Um, the other thing that Dr. Haney did in putting together the nutrient research is you really have to... Um, do things when you're comparing things, for example. Your vitamin D level varies by as much as almost 100% during the day, the serum level. Uh, mm-hmm. And we did a case study on that, which is its highest at noon and its lowest in the morning. And I think it's even lower in the evening. But it varies in a given person every single day. So when you are testing in order to make sure that your numbers make sense, you need to test at the same time every day. All right? If you test at noon every day, that's fine. If you test mid-morning every day, that's fine. But if you test in the morning and then you test at noon the next time, 
it is likely that your serum level is going to be a lot higher and somebody's going to say, these data are wrong. And they're not. Mm-hmm. What's really the case is you've taken it at a different time. Your body is adjusting. Wow. So we're really, we're really very photo, topically photosensitive, meaning sunlight to the skin sensitive in a, in a good way. Exactly. Is that one of the markers exactly. that that is? Okay. All right. I am reading. I'm it sure it is. Okay. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. 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 And that's so where melatonin comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it do is. you do you do any testing for melatonin? No, we no, do not. Not yet. Okay, um, that's a different show. Um, <laughs> wow, we really are. It is, the body never fails to amaze me. I've, I say this too much, but it really <laughs> is. It just amazes me that we get up every day. I mean, just physically, it's like, wow, look at this amazing, you know, and you're a researcher. You've designed amazing systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are a phenomenal system. We and are. If we, we are. if we give the body what it needs, like vitamin D, it's amazing how it will, will work with that. I trust our bodies. The more mm-hmm. and more and more I learn about our bodies in general and mine, the more I trust it to take care of itself if, if we can figure out what it needs to take care of itself. Right. Sometimes we don't know. Uh, but it's very important. I also, um, for information of, of whatever is, I have a husband who is 94 years old. Um, mm. He is still walking around. He is still talking like the researcher and scientist that he is. And... We both credit that very much to his ongoing attention to exercise, which is absolutely critical as we age to make sure that you are exercising and um, taking and are finding ways to get lots of supplements. Um, And that's really important. And it's kept him out of the hospital and out of all kinds of problems. (laughs) Yeah. Very thankful. Yeah. Well, I think also a part that, again, this is a whole other show, I think keeping the mind active. I think the body mm-hmm. really likes active mind. And I don't mean just, you know, grinding away at the ridiculous news or that kind of thing. I mean, actually trying to figure things out and thinking and, and just doing things with your mind on a daily basis. And I'm suspecting that mm-hmm. your husband is, A, married to you, so that's got to keep you pretty active mentally and be in a good way and b that he's a researcher himself that that never goes away if you keep your mind it, still doing it it's amazing what that right. benefits i think right. i have to tell you a funny way he's married to me yes he is but i was his physics student <laughs> oh my <laughs> well well the I true was. story <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and at that point in time, I was the only girl in his class. It, it wow. was not an age at which women uh, took subjects like that. So it was funny. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, I can't wait for the TV movie about that. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and and how do we? I'm I'm with you. Of how do we? It's it's obvious to us, and I think this audience that the idea of, you know, measuring even, even chariots mm-hmm. or Edward's work, it's a different kind of measuring, but it is about measurement. Mm-hmm. So that if you take something and then she, if you, if she measures a vocal print and shows you a chart and then you take something and do it again a half hour later, that mm-hmm. could be different mm-hmm. from your body having assimilated that. How do we right. get more people to understand the idea of preventive, you know, whether it's going for a walk or being in the sunshine or taking vitamin D, or, you know, that's, that seems to be always the, like the hill to climb is getting people to do something on a regular basis that's going to be good for them. Right. Um, I, I really think that okay. it has to be, um, we've talked a lot about that internally and with some of our groups. And yeah. I think prevention is really hard to adopt to most people unless their mother, their friend, their whatever had something and they know they might get it too, all right? That incentivizes prevention. 
But yeah. until I had cancer, I wasn't doing anything to prevent it. And even if I'd read a book about it, I wouldn't have done much about it. All right. I yeah. just, I'm not going to get it. All right. Yeah. But I did. And yeah. so I think we have to focus on the things that vitamin D can do at all ages, literally at all ages that aren't necessarily preventive, but they're health building. As mm-hmm. I've mentioned before, the, um, it actually enhances athletic performance of athletes. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. have to be older. You can be a, a young runner. You know, one of my sons is a, um, a triathlete and runs, does all of those things. And vitamin D certainly, I don't know that it enhanced it because he was always that way, but he certainly takes vitamin D. But they've measured that within athletic groups. Uh, so pick something somebody is likely to be interested in. The other part is money. And I don't mm-hmm. deny that sometimes we get really tired of that, but it's very real. Um, as I mentioned with breast cancer, um, there's still one in eight women in their lifetime that get breast cancer, and that is totally unnecessary. You could save a minimum of 70% of those people. So instead of 200 and something thousand cases a year, you could have a you could save the lives and prevent in 180,000, which adds up to $15 billion. Now, who cares about money? Who cares yeah. about money? Well, I pay. I pay insurance. Most people yeah. pay insurance. And so yeah. if we looked very carefully at how much is that ultimately gets paid, or my insurance cost is heavy because of, and there are incentive ways for employer groups to say um, they can't tell you about, you know, take vitamin D or anything like that, but if you enroll in this health program, I'll give you 10% off your health insurance or something like that. And we yeah. don't have those things set up yet, Richard. We really don't have the incentives for health set up. We're still into the rewarding the, the disease thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you say, to me it seems like there might be a possible gateway, and I mean that in a good way, the idea mm-hmm. of, I know that there, and I, this is also in the form of a question, like the idea of vitamin D having benefit for people in pain. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. It, is that a possibility? Of, of, I want you to talk about that, but I want to add this question to it. Do you think that could be a way of people under, you know, going, oh, wow, it worked for my pain. Maybe I should just take this. Um, so talk about pain, your research on pain and vitamin D. Definitely benefit on it pain. helps with pain. Um, it can reduce pain of almost any kind by a minimum of 10 or 20 percent just by increasing or by taking vitamin D. And we have some charts and some data on that people can look at. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Biggest thing I see with vitamin D right now is with depression. If mm-hmm. people are very low in vitamin D, a lot of people get depressed or down or whatever. And if they up their vitamin D and get it in a that 40 to 60 range, you're they're better off. And they've tracked mm-hmm. and they're demonstrating that. And that's big. That's big. Um, I can't guarantee it's going to solve any problem that depressed you, but just the fact that your body isn't responding well. The other thing is postpartum depression uh, Mm. is affected by DHA, one of the omegas, and vitamin D. Mm. So it affects so many things. Um, Circulatory system, this isn't pain, uh, but a lot of money is spent on my arteries are clogged or whatever. Mm Did you know that if you have enough vitamin D, you almost eliminate that? Almost. Wow. All right. You still have other issues to deal with. But one of the big things that vitamin D does within your arteries is let's assume that you might still have some plaque there. What vitamin D helps do is to make that plaque soft so it doesn't break apart and come flying through your body as um, a blood clot. All right. If mm-hmm. it stays put, even if it's there and it's soft, it's not going to go anywhere. The other oh. is with atrial fibrillation. It greatly impacts that. And the whole cholesterol mess, it's a mess. 
goes away because um, the combination of magnesium and vitamin D pretty much takes care of the aphid situation. Wow. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like... I think could possibly be... The, pos- the question can possibly be, what is my life like right now and how does vitamin D affect it? Oh, one of the other things that comes up is um, both men and women, it affects the sterility. If oh. you're trying to have a baby or something like that and it's taking too long before you do anything massive, otherwise try getting your vitamin D levels up. It matters. Wow. And why don't, I don't know. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. It's the, you know, it's, it's so obvious when I talk to you and this is when I was researching for the show. And as a, you know, I interviewed you in 2013. So it's always in my brain, but it's like, it's, it's not hard and it's not like you have to go someplace special to get vitamin D and it's not like it's a hundred dollars a bottle. It's pretty no, cheap. No, but you have to change your behavior, Richard. And we all oh, I hate that. our behavior is the hardest <laughs> thing to all to do, isn't it? It is. So I look forward to your program. I there. look forward to your program on that. Changing <laughs> your behavior. Take your vitamin D. Yeah, that is the hardest part. It is so true. Hey, I work, I work very hard with my dog to change his behavior, and I know <laughs> Yeah. we get into patterns. We get into patterns. Yeah. I would really like to see major programs started um, back in elementary schools uh, yeah. and our education because if you can educate children early on, and I know you can because I've actually had the absolute joy of starting and running some Montessori schools. Um, You match that child's or person's where they are with what the society or whatever their educational thing needs to be. You can do something about providing the tools for them to learn about their health at a very early age, very, very, very early age. Um, And so I think it ought to be taught in a... Uh, a child manner and the same thing is with the testing because if you test the children in a school in a school an elementary school for example you test them twice a year along with their parents everybody will know about it and everybody can do something about it and they can do it as a cohesive group when we did our um, pregnancy study at the Medical University of South Carolina the first group that we tested, believe it or not, were the physicians themselves. What? Because wow. they, were go- <laughs> they were going to have to counsel with the patients, right? thousands mm-hmm. of patients. Yeah. And almost all the physicians were deficient. Literally. Wow. So how can somebody that's deficient counsel somebody else to do something different? Answer is mm-hmm. they can't. Yeah. Uh, so... That brought to their attention helped that change. Same thing in the schools. If the parents especially get their vitamin D tested and if the children do, they can see very quickly where they are and what needs to happen. And there's a lot of data about children and adults and parenting and teenagers, just so much. So that data has to be developed per site or per age group anyway. Yeah. That's, I love the idea of that being taught in schools. And is mm-hmm. there, which mm-hmm. leads me to ask, is there research looking at vitamin D having an effect on cognitive abilities, whatever the age? Or is there an age of where it course. is shown and not of others? Of course. Of okay. course. Vitamin D and um, magnesium and you name it. Um, and back again to behaviors. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I don't have any absolute answers on that for you, Richard, other than it's necessary. The other vitamin that seems to be markedly noted as necessary for that is vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. Um, and we will be working with an Alzheimer's group, uh, shortly to provide yet another test, um, kind of like a, a, what, what is your risk level? 
uh, involving right. a number of things. Well, and that's one of the amazing things about vitamin D to me is there doesn't seem to be any downside. You know, it's not even like vitamin C, which can cause loose bowels if you're not taking a buffered vitamin C and you don't have a tolerance. But, you know, vitamin D, is there a downside to taking vitamin D? Like, oh my, you know, I have purple dots. I don't know. I'm making it up. I have no idea. Is, is there any it downside? It is very, very, very rare. Um, yeah. The um, so-called toxicity of vitamin D really is not so much vitamin D as somehow or another um, it can contribute to having too much calcium, which causes mm. problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be at a very high level, um, like instead of um, 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter, you have to be at something like 150 nanograms per milliliter. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So again, that can be watched by seeing how your body responds to vitamin D and making sure it doesn't get that. Um, but it's rare. It's really rare. Um, yeah. And so so we don't. Can I come back to the breast cancer a minute? Oh yes, please. Oh, absolutely. Idea. Yes, please. Well, I want to because I think there is an opportunity right now because the data is so consistently good. I mean, that which isn't good in every case I have ever read about vitamin D in the research, and I read almost all of it, the reason it's not good is because they only measured five people and they didn't measure before and after. I mean, or they gave mm-hmm. a dose too low. I mean, the methodology of doing the research was bad, not, yeah. not the vitamin D itself. Yeah. So it has been so consistently good with breast cancer that, I would really like to encourage anybody and everybody who's listening to help us, help me figure out a way and the right persons to talk to, to get whether it's Dr. Susan Love or anybody else that already has a breast cancer group to jump on board and say, let's do it with an existing group of people that are already interested in the problem. Um, Certainly, Individuals are always welcome, and I encourage individuals, uh, no matter where you are, to participate in the D-Action Project. So that's it. it was my and day. that's it. <laughs> I will, I'm, I'm surprised to find we're at the, at the end of the show almost. And, and I want to say that I, I will put all the links that we've and the in some of the art and the articles and a lot of the references and specifically the information on breast cancer work and the D action group, which I say, sign up now, get tested, okay. have a reference point. There's that. I'm going to interrupt Go you ahead. real quick. Please. I just yep. had a, a note from one of the scientists who's obviously listening. Which is, and I know him very well. Carol, you need to have a 25 OHD greater than 400 nanograms per milliliter to develop hypercalcemia. What was that number again? Okay. That's a lot. Say that number again. Well, it is. More than it is. Four hundred nanograms per milliliter. That's it. Great. Thank it, you. It Thank you, doctor. <laughs> Thank right. you, doctor, for chiming in. That was great. Have, have had major problems with vitamin D. And I think it was last year, sometime, or maybe it was the year before last. The source of their vitamin D that got them so high was a mistake in the creation or the manufacture of the supplement. There have been mm. some supplements that have been manufactured where they had, they put in a million IU instead of a thousand IU. Very rare. All right. These yeah. are, but those things Oops. have happened. But if you had your D-Action, if you sign up for D-Action and have a reference on your blood levels, actual testing, then if it suddenly you goes up, you'll that. go, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. And where would you like I people so to find out more? You. I'm so delighted we got to talk again, and there's going to be more. Uh, where would you like people to find out more about your work, about the action, all of that? Doctorshealth.net. You're straightforward. I will put that in the show very notes. And there's a lot of great information there. Thank you. I would be very happy to have anybody send me an email directly 
Carol, we can help or something like that. My name is Carol, T-A-R-O-L-E, at grassrootshealth.org. Great. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we will do this again because there's just so much goodness from all of this. Well, so, I've got to get this going before I pass out. Yes. I mean, I'm getting old, guys. Let's get with it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're all sort of in the, you know, like we're getting older and wow, we need this now. That's all right. right. Thank you so much. Right. And thank you everybody so much, ha- Richard. And everybody. Thank you. You bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bye-bye. everybody have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.